Hi guys, summer's finally here and I'm looking forward to catching up with friends and family as much as possible. At all those get-togethers, I like to have the option of being able to moderate my alcohol intake without missing out on the occasion. That's when I love a refreshing Atopia and Tonic. It's an award-winning non-alcoholic spirit with all the flavour of a premium gin but less than 0.5% alcohol. Our friends at Atopia have given us an exclusive offer for Open Mind listeners. Just head over to clinkspirits.com and use the code OPENMIND at checkout to get £5 off a bottle of Atopia and free shipping. Enjoy the summer with a bit of mindful moderation. Hi and welcome to Open Mind with me, Frankie Bridge. Today I'm so excited to tell you that I am joined by singer and songwriter Ellie Golden. Hi Ellie, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me, it's it's an honour. We've had a bit of a situation with technology before we've even started. Which you resolved, thank you. I know, yeah. The old um, turn it off and turn it back on thing always seems to work. So uh, we got there (laughs) in the end. Um, Mm. I'm just really happy to have you on. I I kind of, um, I always have like a print out of things to ask and then I ask my listeners to ask questions to send in and then I've read a little snippet of your book and I feel like I've got so many things to ask you um, well, I'm in a very chatty mood so well, this is good away. yeah <laughs> <laughs> I mean we've just spoken about the country and bugs for a really long time um <laughs> I just feel like there's so many areas of your life that are so interesting so um I suppose we'll start where everyone always seems to start is kind of at the beginning um and I know you used to play the clarinet when you were about nine is that right I did. Was yeah. was music something that you knew you always wanted to do? Yeah, I was always quite a musical kid. I I don't know if you remember recorders, but I I used yeah. to play the recorder in assembly every morning and then <laughs> I and somehow I started playing clarinet. I think piano was taken because there was like a sort of set number of instruments and so I was kind of I ended up with the clarinet, which you know, was really fun to play, but I kind of got bored of it after a few years. I, I did a few like orchestra things. And then, um, yeah, then I picked up guitar and that was really when I, you know, I, I kind of acted as well when I was a kid. But when really? I started um, playing guitar and it kind of just naturally went into songwriting because um, I'd always like written things down. So yeah, and then, and then it just all kind of came together. But yeah, I guess I was always quite, quite musical. Were you in the, was there an orchestra at your school? Because I know like I used to play cello and piano when I was at school and I was in the orchestra in primary school. And then Mm. when I went to secondary school, my sister was like, it's really uncool to be in the orchestra. Like you can't play the cello. Like I was carrying (laughs) my massive cello to school and I stopped playing because of that. Was that a thing at your school? So I feel like a lot of kids feel like that. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't that cool. Guitar was definitely a bit cool. I felt like in my later teens playing guitar was like a cool Cool oh, it's definitely cooler than cello. <laughs> I felt like I didn't have much else going for me, so like I, I was like, right, guitar's my thing. I think that's one thing I really miss about school is that I didn't really, like, I know, I know school is usually the place where you're just petrified about not being cool, but I think mm. I remember just my love of music just would just, you know, it would override any kind of insecurity I had about people thinking I wasn't that cool. And I kind of had a group of really cool girlfriends who actually are coming around. Like I literally met them when I was five years old in primary school. They're coming round tomorrow to meet Arthur, and um, mm. we, they were, but we all loved to learn. We were like we were sort of nerdy, but we also 
we liked the other stuff as well. So we weren't in that. I don't know if you had like groups at your school where you had like, you know, the people who just really wanted to learn and that was their thing. And then you had the people who wanted to mess around, just like did not do much in class and then get sent out and then have a detention. And then there was kind of that middle group and I was kind of that middle group because I really did love to learn, but I also liked to talk at, all through class and be really <laughs> silly. And I had one guy friend that would just, had the same sense of humour as me and we would just like be naughty, silly all the time. Um, but luckily, mm. because I got good grades, I could kind of get away with it. Yeah. <laughs> and did you feel like music was kind of your almost like escapism in a way or did you not really feel about it like that way at kind of that young age it it definitely was a kind of escape i i grew up really in the middle of nowhere in a village on the border of england and wales uh there wasn't really much to do so i like walked a lot we we walked um, around the fields a lot and we I mean there wasn't there really wasn't much else other than like going to the local town which was like 26 miles away and then we'd maybe wow. go swimming or whatever um, so like music was just it, it felt like you know with the radio and stuff it felt like music was really far away so it just became this source of fascination for me and my friends where we just wanted a We'd all play together, like I'd play guitar and a couple of my girlfriends would play guitar and then someone would play like drums and so we kind of had these little bands and it, and it really was like, you know, it was a real passion and I think now to, like last night I was just sat trying to learn something on guitar but back then it was just, all, it was all I did and I really had to force myself last night and back then like all I wanted to do was get home from school and play guitar. And, and I, I, I really missed that, like, passion where music was literally everything. And, and it still is, like, a huge, massive part of my life. But it, back then it was, it was, like, everything to me. Mm. I think you have, more, you have more time, don't you, I suppose, as well. Like, I look back and I think, oh, I don't play any of my instruments now. And I think as, a, as an adult you regret that. But when you're younger, mm. it's just... It's would, you, would, of... you, would you take one up again, do you think? Oh, Ellie... I tried so I I did a lot of exams in my piano and cello because my mum used to play cello so I just kind of copied her and I loved both and then as I got older I was like I can't believe I can't play either of them anymore because I just never had time so I I tried to replay piano but it was really frustrating because I used to be able to do everything really quickly yeah so then kind of you know like finger plodding was really annoying so I learned guitar um, yeah. so then I played guitar for quite a few years but then again haven't played it again but my son has just started playing piano so oh, I'm gonna kind of relearn yeah. with him because he's amazing. got all the beginner books yeah. yeah so I'm kind of relearn because I can't read music anymore it's, it's you know nor can I it's you know it's harder as you not to like be like it's harder as you get older but I think we just our brain capacity was just I don't know bigger then or something or mm. our concentration was better but yeah, I just, I just can't, like, like I said, I just can't sit down and play guitar for hours anymore, whereas I used to do it and just absolutely love it. Mm. Um, so maybe, maybe Arthur will take something up and I'll find maybe. the Maybe, that's the, yeah, I mean, I don't know how long he'll last with it, but I'm kind of like, I bought him a little um, keyboard for his birthday and I actually sat with him the other day and was trying to do it with him. I thought, you know what, I'm going to try and re learn with him um which would be really really oh, nice and then awesome. he'll probably hate it next term and want to do something else but I'm, <laughs> I'm here for it <laughs> um you mentioned that you still got like all your friends from school do you feel like because obviously you came from this small town and then you became this huge musician that you are now 
have you managed to keep those friendships? Have you found that easy to keep those friendships throughout all these years? You know that I'm so happy that we're still such good friends because there there is, as you know, there's just this kind of joy that you feel with your friends from school that you don't have with literally anyone else. And not that it's like a slight on anyone I've made friends with since, but there is something really unique and special about having that, you know, nostalgia and and those memories that, you know, you can't, I feel like you get to a certain point where you start deciding how you want to live life. But in school, it's just like, it's just happening and it's out of your control and you're just like learning so much about yourself so quickly. And you've got these friends who are like coming up with you and are, you know, doing the same thing. And you shared all these mad experiences for the first time. I think that's irreplaceable. So like, it's, it's been really important for me to, to, to stay in touch with them. And, you know, I have had some friends, like, come and go. Like, I had some friends from, that I was good friends with in college in, back in Hereford that just, like, lost contact with for whatever reason. But I think it's just a real eye-opener for me to see that I still have my oldest friends and they're still here and they've supported me and they've understood how mad it's been. But, you know, they've all got kids as well, so I finally, like, joined, joined the club. Joined the crew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I always, I have this thing, and I, I don't know if it's bad, but I'm always like, I can't trust someone unless they have one old friend. I'm always like, if they have one person that's, like, from back in the day because I'm like I just I don't know it means so I've got all of my friends from school and I left school when I was like 12 and I feel like they've kept me the same because like you say they know everything from the past they knew you before everything like they're the first to text me like I've got this one eye whenever I'm like on the red carpet that goes like more (laughs) a lot smaller than the other and they're the first to be like oh it's happened again yeah yeah do you know what I mean they're the ones it's it's so true and it's so nice for you to have a reminder of like who you really are and I know that we like we're always changing we're always improving ourselves and evolving and all that stuff but to really go back to who you were then you know because we'll always be like a little piece of ourselves from Mm. when we were young and when we were in our teens and our childhood and it's just nice to go back to that kind of pure thing where we just laugh about the dumb stuff we did in school Mm -hmm. obviously there are some people you don't keep in your life for whatever reason like things change but I'm just I'm so grateful for like old friends and you've said in the past that you've struggled from paralyzing anxiety. Did this, is that something that started from you, for you from a young age? Or was that kind of something that developed as you got older? Um, I, don't re- I don't remember having it when I was younger. It, it's possible that I did. I just maybe didn't interpret it in the right way. Or I thought that was just who I was. <clears throat> Whereas, you know, I've been able to unpick things a lot more now as I, as I get older. And... I think that the first time that it became a physical thing was when I started out in music and it all happened so bloody quickly that I couldn't catch up with what was going on so that my brain couldn't catch up with my body or the other way around. And so I remember I was on, and I talk about this in the book, I was on a train going back to my friend's dad's funeral, sadly. And I was going back through, you know, where I grew up and suddenly everything, you know, I kind of remembered the old person that I was and it hadn't caught up with this new person that I was trying to make myself as a recording artist. And I think it just completely clashed. And then just at that moment, the train broke down and it was just this like coming together of things where I came out in just this massive panic of 
where, you know, I was like sweating and my heart was pounding and I, I was having palpitations and I had these feelings of dread, which made me think I'm going to die, right? I was like, oh, is this death? Is this like, is this mm. dying? Because that's how severe it was of a physical reaction. And I got into these cars to take us to the next station, you know, like replacement cars, because the train had fully broken down. And in the car, I kind of really shyly said to this woman, and I was so embarrassed, and I said, um, sorry, is, is it okay if you, c can you call an ambulance? Because I think I'm dying. And this woman just kind of looked at me, and I, it must have been the look on my face, but she, she called. And mm. so I ended, up going, I ended up going to hospital, and instead of like being, you know, plugged up to machines and, I don't know, having like wires put into me, I was just given a brown paper bag. And oh. she said, she said um, um, just, just breathe, love. Just take some deep breaths into this bag. Because she, I guess she just knew that I was having this huge panic attack. And the symptoms are similar to having a heart attack, which is mad. Yeah. But, it, you know, this, this pain runs down your, your left arm and you start thinking these crazy thoughts, your heart's pounding. And it would become like a regular thing for me where like I'd feel one coming on and I'd be like, no, 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 please, no, please, no. Like I'm on stage or I'm in a public place or I'm doing an interview or, you know, and it would start coming on and I'd have to try so hard to suppress it. Um, so that was like the next few years of my life pretty much. And did you do anything? Did you talk to anyone about it? Did you kind of try to understand it or did you feel like you just kind of kept trying to suppress it and kind of push through it? I didn't know much about, like talking then I didn't know how much talking helped I had no idea in fact I I kept so much stuff like I said suppressed that I didn't see the connection between talking out loud and like relieving things and so somebody did on my management at the time suggested I speak to this woman I was like yeah okay whatever sure yeah I'll, I'll have a chat well, I'll have a chat and <laughs> so so I met this woman and instead of I guess I was quite cynical about therapy and things because I'd just never experienced it before. And, and as soon as I met this woman, smoking was still sort of all right then. And so she was like, <laughs> she just lit up a cigarette and then just said, right, Sally, what, what's going on with you? And, and then it all came out and, you know, childhood stuff and, you know, all my anxieties and all my fears. And, and yeah, it just felt like a weight off my chest. I started crying. Like I felt like, I, but, but not a sad cry. It was almost like a kind of release, release thing. So I saw her for the next few years and God, it made, it made such a difference. I felt like I'd really like untied the longest string ever from around my body. And I'd just been kind of set free. And it's not to say that string didn't start like winding itself back around me again. But, you know, but at least this time now I could find ways to unravel it and kind of spread out again and not have all this pent up, you know, anger mm -hmm. and, and sadness and fear about things. So, yeah. And did you feel like most of that came from your past? Yeah, I think it was a combination of I think I got to my teenage years. It's funny how like when you talk to people, like things come out sometimes for the first time. And I found yeah. myself saying things for the first time. I probably abandoned who I was, like, not to get, like, really deep, but why not, as we're here. I probably, like, abandoned someone, yeah, abandoned someone that I was quite early on. So I grew up pretty quickly, I think. And that was, like, factors in my childhood, like, my parents divorcing, um, not having, you know, sometimes things not being great at home. It's, like, an understatement. But I think I really quickly wanted to become somebody else. And 
the way that I imagine it is that, you know, not only have I become someone else in terms of being a stronger person, being a resilient person, just really trying to escape this childhood stuff, but also I'd become like a, like someone who was performing as a whole other character as well. So I was trying to suppress everything to be this, you know, big star. And so all those things just came together and my body was like, no, this is not physically possible. Mm. Um, not, not to mention like, uh, like I was over-exercising, I wasn't sleeping, I was drinking. And so it's not surprising that that stuff ended up happening when it did because my body literally rejected everything that was going on, basically. <laughs> it's mad, isn't it, how, how connected your mind and your body are and your body can just go, no, this is, yeah. you're gonna, you can't do this anymore. And it's mad how, like, I didn't make that connection. Like I said, I didn't, I didn't make the, the connection between what I was doing to my body and how it was affecting my mind. Like, I knew that, like, eating was, that kept you alive, right? I knew mm. that eating and drinking kept you alive. I didn't know that actually what you ate and what you drank and what time and how much exercise you do and when, I didn't know all that stuff came into it. So, I mean, look, that's why I wrote the book because mm. I realised there were so many different things that you can do. And it's not like rejecting the things that come at you, you know, wherever your life takes you. It's, it's about handling them, how to handle them and being resilient. So, yeah, I've forgotten what you asked. No, it's fine. It's fine. You have written a book, Fitter, Karma, Stronger, which is a new direction for you because normally you write songs. Yeah. Why? Why now? Why did you decide to write a book? I think I was in two minds about this book for a while because I just kept having people ask how I, you know, I've always, I've always been pretty open about my fitness journey and, and how it's helped me and how, you know, running was another thing that, that took me just on another course in life where I, I suddenly became so passionate about running. And again, I had no idea how amazing exercise could be for you. I had no idea how, what, how a run, just one run can affect my whole mood for the whole day or the whole week. So I, so I've always been pretty open about it. And I remember the first time I did like a BBC interview they were like, oh, can we, let's do something interesting. You know, what, what's a good reflection of, of you? And I said, well, I, I was planning on going for a jog around the park. So do you want to just, should we just go to the park? So like my first, it's quite cringe actually, my first like interview, I'm wearing this like, <laughs> I think it's from Topshop at the time. It was like a sort of hat that went over my ears and then I was wearing this like <laughs> random like jumper, like vintage jumper. I mean, it looked ridiculous. Like when I look back on it, it just looks like a joke. But I've never really connected like my fitness stuff with like my singing I feel like my singing is just this whole other world of like mystery that even I even even I don't know like where my voice comes from but then the, the fitness thing is just something like a like a constant thing that I've always been able to understand and con- and control whereas my voice and my writing I'll, I don't think I'll ever understand it so yeah the book came after quite a lot of people said you know you really should just get it all out just get out you know how you've got to where you are through fitness so it's not like a it's not talking about my like songwriting journey and my journey as a as a a vocalist as a singer as a writer performer it's um it's more about how I'm still here in my job and how I used fitness and exercise and food and other things to keep me okay whilst doing this mad job basically if that makes sense Mm -hmm. makes total sense
Are you planning a party, a barbecue, or even a garden soiree this summer? Now we're getting used to hosting again, we have to cater to all the needs of our guests. Lots of my friends and family don't like to drink too much alcohol, but love the taste and the celebration, and there's no reason why they should lose out. I always make sure to have a bottle of Atopia on hand so I can rustle up a quick Atopia and tonic for the designated drivers, expectant mothers or those who just want to take a night off and it even goes down well with the big drinkers too. I believe moderation shouldn't come with a compromise. To get started on your cocktail journey, head over to Atopia Spirits to get inspired. And you said before that you over-exercised at one point. Mm, yeah. What, why? How? How did you even <laughs> have time to over-exercise? <laughs> um, I got so addicted to the feeling of, of how good it felt to do a run. It was, it was quite simple and I just didn't want to stop. I, I was like, this is such a, an amazing release of endorphins that I was like, how can I not? So, so every, I'd run every day. But it wasn't like I was exercising like three or four times a day. It was just that I had to do it every day or it would be doom and gloom. Mm. Whereas now, for example, like I woke up this morning and didn't feel obliged to do a run. Whereas in the past, I'd wake up in the morning and be like, oh my God, if I don't run, if I don't run, I'm in, I'm in trouble. So, so that's how I know now that I've reached that point of balance. But yeah, back then it was just, it was just literally that addiction to, to the rush, like anything. Um, you know, mm. you just want that feeling more and more. Um, but you would have thought you got that from performing do you know what I mean so were they just completely different feelings well performing was once I'd performed and I came off stage yeah the the feeling was incredible was always incredible but I'd I'd never come off stage and like want to see people and party and I'd be quite I was you know I'd still kept to my kind of quiet self um Mm. off stage and so I'd have this feeling and it would be this huge thing and then I'd go back to kind of being like oh it probably wasn't that good oh it it probably wasn't as good as I thought it was you know that classic imposter syndrome stuff yeah so running knowing that I had like run faster than the last week or I managed to run up a whole hill instead of like stopping halfway through it was just some a way that I could prove to myself that I had I was constantly achieving whereas in my job I wasn't ever sure if I was, you know, th- th- I mean, I was, right? Because things, mm. were, things were good, but, but in my head, it wasn't as good as I, as people would say it was. You know, or I thought and, it wasn't as good. Yeah, and does that come down to your, do you think that's a mixture of, you've mentioned in your book that you have imposter syndrome and you're, you, you're a perfectionist. Do you think it comes down to those things? I definitely was a perfectionist and I'm absolutely not anymore. Again, something else I, I talk about in the book. But I think because of this whole thing that happened where I became, I suppose, like inverted commas, like famous really, really quickly. And I mean, you, I'm sure you can relate to this. It's like it all happens and then suddenly you're just in this world that's out of your control and you're suddenly in a world where people are judging every single thing about you and your music and your voice and your performance and what you're wearing and the way your face looks like, oh, did she put on weight? Did she lose weight? And so it, it was a lot to take on. And so with that, I think very quickly, and also like just being a woman, I think I, I was surrounded, often surrounded by like male fronted bands on tour and festivals. And so, so I felt myself feeling like I had to apologize a lot 
for 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 me and my songs and it's just so crazy uh, that yeah for a long time I yeah I had this this feeling that I didn't deserve to be where I was I think a lot of us have that and it's mm. really hard sometimes to just say no I am where, I, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be right now you know I deserve this I work for this it took a lot to get to that place it just seems absolutely crazy to me that you would feel like you'd have to apologize for anything like, I think it's what? like a Brit English thing. <laughs> I'm very sorry that I'm here today. No, no, um. I would. I literally did that. I literally did that. I'd pick up any single thing in the in the press, and God, I mean, you, you also know this. It's like this obsession with the man in your life or the mm. men in your life, and then always wanting to talk about my dad or my the person I was seeing. And now, you know, I, obviously, I'm married, but like. I feel like it's become a lot more acceptable for women in our industry, in these industries, to, to just like have a casual fling or a boyfriend. Or, and, and in those days, it was just like it was so everything was, was, was um, based on like rather than being about you, it was based on like who you were dating or like who, so what if, you looked like or, yeah, yeah exactly. or, or how many you were dating. I think is a big thing. Like I remember back then, oh, so it's many like, boyfriends. Who cares? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and I had no choice but for my relationships and things to be in the press. But it was just so bizarre. And, and I learned very quickly to have a sense of humour about it because, you know, my friends knew the real me and that's all that mattered. But it took a while to, to not be affected by every single thing that was written about me, to be honest. Mm. <laughs> um, and, and with your, like, fitness journey and things like that, did, was, was it ever about how you looked? Because I'm sure I read somewhere, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that you said that the fashion industry hasn't always fully accepted your body type yeah. as fashion because yeah. you're quite athletic. I think, like, initially I... My, my body, I think, has gone through lots of changes because I... I was touring and I like wasn't eating while I was eating late. Then I wasn't sleeping and I was over-exercising and then maybe not understanding exercise as well as I do now. I felt as though because my body wasn't on paper, like a p- perfect body, or it wasn't what people wanted um, for their magazine or their editorial. So I, I felt like I missed opportunities because of that because you know I was doing well as, as a musician I was doing really well in America and I had like number one number two songs there and and I was doing SNL I was doing these big TV shows and things but um yeah I felt like I couldn't quite get with the with the fashion thing and I really enjoyed fashion I didn't consider myself as someone who you know it, I, I, it wasn't like my number one passion but I really enjoyed it and I loved you play around with it up. a lot yeah I think. yeah um and uh but I felt like I there was one, that was one thing that I felt like I wasn't embraced in, perhaps because I didn't have the right, inverted commas, kind of body for it. Because um, I think I said on, on Instagram, didn't I, that I didn't, I didn't, you know, because I had an athletic body, mm. that it wasn't what people wanted to see. And it's so great now that there are more and more, there's so much diversity and so much more variety of who people put on their magazine covers. And it also it seems mad that it was even a thing that I was even bothered by it because now I'm just like mm. whatever but back then you know I was I was made to feel by people that it was so important to get magazine covers and to get people to just notice you all the time and now god I, I wish I had the same attitude then that I do now which is just like if I get it great 
If I don't, mm. whatever, it really doesn't matter. Yeah. And did you feel like all that was kind of a sense of control for you? And because... I mean, I know, I I mean, I'm not even yeah. a tenth of what you've achieved um, through your musical career, but it, you are quite out of control of your life, aren't you? I, and I know, obviously, you're on your own and you wrote your own songs, so you had like a, a, a sense of more control than maybe I had. But you are told, tomorrow you're doing this, you're up at this time, you're getting picked yeah. up at this time, then you're going here, this is when you can eat. This yeah. is when you can pee, yeah. like, <laughs> you no, know. No, you, you, I think we have, you know, actually a lot in common in that, in that sense, because we've both done the music thing. And even though, you know, I, 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 I've, you know, written songs and done all sorts, like we've, we've, we've been signed to like, you know, ma- major record labels. And so you're just put on a train, aren't you? And you're just told to just go and people tell you where to be and what to do and what to wear. At first, you're like, great, because people can just, you know, make these decisions for you. And then you just stop being able to make your own decisions. And then you just kind of get a bit lost. And then you're like, ah, this is not actually who I am. And then so you start trying to bring it back to who you really are, you know. And when people say, like, oh, you've changed. I'm like, yeah, great, good. That's what I want. Um, Mm. And so I think that that control thing is, like, appealing for a while because it means that you don't have to deal with, like, making your own decisions. But then eventually you get completely lost and you forget who you really like your real authentic self Mm. and did you find that hard so now you know you've kind of again you've changed and you're kind of going through a different stage I suppose with lockdown everyone kind of had to relinquish some sense Mm. of control did you find it hard initially because I know when obviously it's a bit different for you but like when my band finished I was a bit like God, I don't actually even know what to do today. Like, I've got yeah. to make these decisions for myself now. Yeah. Who am I going to see? What time am I going to get? What, what? Why am I going to leave the house? And and I found that really, it was nice, but also a bit scary. Yeah, yeah. Same. I I went from, I'm I'm I when I met my husband, I just kind of wound up like quite a big tour, and I started writing the next album in New York and. But I did feel this sense of like loss of something. And I mean, little did I know then that there was going to be a global pandemic, yeah. you know, which, which would like literally stop everyone from doing what they wanted. But at the time, I, I didn't really know lo- what life was without touring. Mm. Um, and when I say touring, people are like, oh, what you, do, you know, just travel around for a bit for a few weeks. But it's like a life. It's like a lifestyle where you, you, you're in a different place every day. Um, you take for granted the fact that you're seeing literally just completely, it's a completely different landscape every single day of your life. And then you're doing a different show every night and then you're just eating something different every day. And you're, yeah, it's just, it's just this kind of mad life that then when it stops, you know, there are literally like therapy groups and like help groups for people who come off tour because it's just, really? it's, you're suddenly going back to this, like monotonous routine and waking up in the same bed every day and it's like what this isn't life but really that is life but Mm. we experience one quite different and then suddenly yeah you're like making your own decisions and you're being like an adult and doing adult things (laughs) and so so tour is is such a fun life but it's not like I realized quite quickly it wasn't reality Mm. I remember the first time uh, my husband Wayne and I went to the airport together and because he was a sportsman he would kind of it was like a similar setup to us and we both went to the airport 
And I realised that I didn't actually know where I was going or what I was doing. I was following him. He was following me. And I was like, this is horrendous. We're like grown humans. And we're both just so used to just following someone else. Oh, my God. So I know. bad. And thank God, like, praise be for Casper, my husband. Because praise be. he is a logistics person. And he is a solutions person. And the way he thinks, the way he's been, like, educated, the people he's been around... He's so good at that stuff. And it's all about like problem solution. And it's not about like, for me, it's just like there's a whole other emotional aspect yeah. of things, <laughs> you know? And for him, it's just like, right, this is, this, is what we've, this is what we've got to deal with. This is how we deal with it. And I'm like, oh God, thank God. I'm like, you're so handy. Because <laughs> <laughs> he just like puts things together and he's just very... Yeah, you know, practical and um yeah he's thank god um mm. but but he you know I really was like that too in airports and other places because I realized I'd had tour manager and yep. I had a manager just like you know in fact <clears throat> my makeup artist Lucy who's one of my best friends and been with me since the very beginning we we led each other into like a cleaning closet in the airport once like we literally <laughs> somehow didn't find like the check-in, didn't find departures and just ended up in like some kind of closet that we somehow managed to open. And I was like, this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. So yeah, I, 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 I can relate to the airport yeah, thing. Yeah, good. <laughs> <laughs> with, with your husband, did you think you would end up with someone like that? Like you say, he's very, speaks, he thinks very logistically and he's, I suppose he's had a very different from what I can gather, obviously yeah. I don't know him, has had quite a different upbringing to you, yeah. quite a different life. Yeah. Is that what you, you've been with a lot of musicians in the past. Yeah. Is that how, how kind of yeah. you imagined your life really? Well, I, I suppose like in some kind of like romantic way, I thought, oh, well, I'm a musician and I'm going to end up with a musician and it's just going to be so nice and we're just going to sit around, you know, playing music all day. Be creative <laughs> um, together. Yeah, be creative. And it's, but actually no, um, through through my 20s, which we've all done, I mean, most of us have done, my friends have done, you know, you, you go through relationships, you you find out so much about yourself, and I'm sure the other person finds out about them, their selves too. And I got to a point where actually my conclusion was I didn't want to be with anyone. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> fuck this, I just want to be by myself. And, um, and, you know, I was on a really good, I was in a good place. I was like, you know, I was I was training really consistently. I was like eating well. I was like in a really good place mentally, and I was like, well, "This is a perfect time for me to just really delve into myself and enjoy being with myself, enjoy that kind of single life, and and stop thinking I need to be with someone. Stop thinking I need to, you know, rely on somebody else for mm. my own happiness." And it's something God, it took forever to learn. I wish I just learned it in my early twenties. But then I met Casper and I was like, oh shit, you know, this, this, is, this is actually it. And, and it was. And he's my best friend. And we, you know, when we first met, we, we didn't think in a million years we'd, we'd end up together with such different people. But it just works. And he sees me as a person, as a woman, as a, as a, as a smart person and a funny person somehow. He laughs at my jokes. Um, but, but he doesn't see me as like... A, the musician, which I guess some people in the past may have, hmm. and, you know, by accident, just thought of me as like the musician first and my job and then everything else after. So, yeah, it's just it's just taken a while to get there. But, you know, 
got there in the end. <laughs> and did you know you wanted kids? Was that something that you always thought about? Or was that something else that you were kind of like, that's not going to happen for me? Um, I frankly fully convinced myself that kids wasn't wasn't a thing for me. And, you know, like I said, my, a lot of my friends have kids and they they are, you know, madly, which I now understand, madly in love with them. And it looked from afar like a very nice thing. But to me, it was like, no way. Um, you know, I didn't think it was it was my thing until obviously I I had one. Um, <laughs> but I didn't understand the whole thing before I had a kid. But I did see, you know, the, the joy and the happiness in my friends with kids and, you know, my sisters with their kids. But it was just, it was not something that I envisaged in, in my life for some reason. And often when I said that in the past, before I had Arthur, you know, people would sort of give me quite a confused look as if to say like, but isn't that what you're, aren't you supposed to have no. like, kids? It was definitely the number one question I had after after I got married, you know, when are you guys oh, yeah. going to have some kids? And it just, you know, Cass was a bit younger than me, so it just wasn't really on our radar. And then when it happened, I've now found a new kind of joy. And if I hadn't ha- have had Arthur, I would have never have known that. But then, you know, what, what you don't know can't affect you. So, no. so, yeah, I never would have known, but at the same time, I still would have lived a very happy life. But now that I know this extra joy, you know, there's no going back from that. And, I, and I've got him and he's the best thing ever. And this whole new thing where I'm now being a mum, where I'm getting to have an element of like fun and, and play that I haven't had before, where I get to just sing like silly songs to him. And it's making me like learn a lot about myself and like me as a, as a mum, which is cool. And it's mm. just... You know, as you know, it's just a whole new journey and it's, you know, it's obviously challenging, but I'd say like the the fun stuff like overrides the the bad stuff. Yeah. (laughs) So whenever I talk to a guest, I always pull out on Instagram so that people can have the chance to ask questions. And someone has said, how are you finding being a working mum now? Um, I'm finding it... I'm finding it to be not not as hard as I thought it was going to be in that I've had the most amazing support from people around me, my management, my label, um, Casper and my friends, and everyone's been so great. I went actually went back to work like three weeks after I had Arthur because I figured I'm not going back into like a manual job, manual labor job where I, I have to be physical. You know, these days you can, you've got, you know, transportable pumps so I could go and mm-hmm. pump my boobs in the studio. And so I figured it was an okay thing to do because I could still, I could, I could, you know, feed him in the morning. I could go to the studio, do what I love, keep, you know, keep remembering what I do and what I love and my identity. And then yeah. that was really important to me. And then go home and do bath time and put him to bed. So I was like, if I can keep doing this, then, then great. And it just so happened that the three people that I absolutely adore working with were all over from America at the same time. And I really didn't want to pass up that opportunity to see them. So... And, you know, I, I brought him to the studio a couple of times and and now he, like, loves music. He's only, like, he's not even four months and he's already, like, obsessed with music and singing and voices. So, yeah, so um, so to answer, that's a long answer to the question, but it has been challenging at times, but generally I've found a way to make it work and I feel like I'm lucky enough to have somebody to help me 
you know, and, and for Casper to be really supportive to, to make it work. Mm-hmm. And are you, are you going on tour again soon? Yeah, tours in October, um, which is just like a short tour. So it's mm-hmm. not like a, a biggie. But you and know, will he I, be going with you? Are you relaxed about that or you seem pretty might, chill? Yeah, he might He might come for a few shows. Uh don't think he's quite at that age where he knows what the hell is going on no. in life. Um, but, um, you know, I, I definitely... I definitely will bring him when he's a bit older, you know, to like a full tour. I don't see why not. Like, if Mm. if I feel like he can, you know, stick to somewhat of a routine. I don't know. We'll see. It's all a learning curve. I don't know. Maybe. (laughs) Yeah, I know. You you don't have it all figured out yet. Yeah. That's totally normal. Yeah. Um, Someone's asked what are, are small things that you have found that you can change to help with your mental health? You know, like maybe little daily changes or yeah, little things along the way? Um, good question. For me, um, first thing in the morning, it's like having a shake around, which is basically just like realising that I've just spent the whole night just like in one position because I don't I didn't sort of move around much in my sleep. So I get up and just shake my whole body around for like a minute. I feel like it gets the blood pumping a bit. My morning routine is like something that I feel like dictates my day. So I'll either do a bit of exercise. I might do a bar class with my friend Katie who does the most brilliant uplifting bar classes and they, she has an Una series online and it's it's like my real go-to thing in the morning because it's hard but it's not like exhaust. It's 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 fun as well because you're kind of dancing in a kind of yeah. ballet way. Um, she's going to be like, I, that's a terrible description. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> yeah. Katie. Um, and, then, and then also like my new thing is I take a lot of time to make a coffee which sounds weird, but like it's my little ritual where it's just me because Casper hates coffee. And I just like make my bulletproof coffee, which is I like I bought this coffee machine, which I really shot myself on the foot with because it takes so long to make one. <laughs> but now I finally learned how to do it. I should have just got one of those like pod things. So I do that. And then I like add like a bit of mushroom powder, add some MCT oil and I have like, you know, froth up some oat milk and I just make like and I put some sweetener in because I love like sweet things. So, yeah, so that's, like, my little, like, happy place. Like, I made one, like, right before um, I spoke to you, actually, in my massive mug. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, so that. And then also, like, it sounds really basic, but, like, remembering to breathe. Like, as soon as I say, like, breathe to myself, it, I take in this new breath into, through, my, through my nose and, like, breathe it back out. And I feel like I'm breathing out old, stagnant air out of my lungs. And as a singer, like, that, that helps me a lot, too. So my breathing is something, like, I, I really pay attention to throughout the day. I try to. And then, and also just nature. Like I, I know not. I know not everyone lives out in nature, but I try and just be around green stuff as much as possible. I really feel like it makes a difference to my mood. I try and be present. I try and like observe things I wouldn't usually. I try not to be on my phone. I try and actually like take things in because I think you know it's so tempting to just walk along, just like seeing what everyone else is doing on Instagram, mm. whereas really you're like, what am I doing? Never mind everyone else. I definitely have loads of other bits of advice, but you know what? Read the book and you'll get, <laughs> you'll get some insight in there. <laughs> well done. She's been trained well. Um, oh no, thank you so much. Um, I love talking to you. And I actually, I mean, I, we've been talking for ages and I wanted to get on to climate change with you and everything. I just, um, I love that you use your position to talk about things like that and important things, but you have a child you have other things to do and uh, maybe we can talk <laughs> about sure it as I'm sure you do as well you know what to um, but thank so you so thank much you. for having me honestly it's been a real joy and it's so nice to talk about these things so openly and not feel 
judged and not feel insecure and just be able to just like talk to, to another like working woman and you know who's been in the same industry as me and so yeah it's, it's been a real joy oh, so thank, thank you for you. having me. Are you trying to cut down on alcohol to boost your well-being? Well, personally, I love going out for drinks with my friends, but hate how I feel the morning after. And that's why I decided to moderate my alcohol intake with Atopia. They have an ultra-low alcohol spirit that tastes just as good as my usual drink without any of the nasty side effects or embarrassing photos. Looking after yourself is important, so why not take this month to get focused on your well-being? Join me in cutting down on alcohol intake today and start making the most out of every occasion with no regrets. Looking after yourself is important, so why not take this month to get focused on your well-being? Join me in cutting down on alcohol intake today and start making the most out of every occasion with no regrets. Wake up with a spring in your step and your well-being in check. Available from Waitrose and online.